What time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to New Freedom. Welcome to Position of Neutrality. We open every meeting of Position of Neutrality with a prayer, and Chaplain Lee's back in the house tonight. Come on and stand to your feet all over this room. Father, we thank you again today for just another day that you have blessed us to see. Last night it was not promised, but you saw fit for us to wake up in our right minds in order to come and be in your presence. We thank you, God, for just who you are and all that you're doing. We ask you, Lord, on tonight that you will send a blessing throughout this place, that the words that will be spoken will be heard, that the hearts will be touched and the minds will understand that there's nothing done without you. We thank you because you are the great I am. And we know you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, but it's according to the power that's in us. So we give you the praise on tonight, thanking you and just ready to appreciate all that you have for us through your manservant as he speaks in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray all these things and everyone in the room say amen. amen. Thank you, Chaplain Lee. Some of you may have been at our baptismal service in October of 2023. If you were, they probably would remember there was some rumors circulating around about our imminent demise and how we were closing and all those things a few months ago. Any of you ever hear those rumors? There you go. Chaplain Lee at that baptism said, well, I'm just going to declare right now that our next baptism will be Saturday, February the 24th, 2024. Guess what this Saturday is? So and if any of you have never heard a prophecy and then seen it fulfilled, come Saturday you can see it fulfilled. That's, that's all on record. And not anybody was betting on it that night but Chap and I, I don't think. I was. There we go, Sean. Few of you, Wayne, Karen. All right. So, who's here at Position of Neutrality for the first time tonight? Anybody? Brian, and who else? Thank you. So, first of all, thank you. And second, let us warn you in advance you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for lots of years. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of a hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? yes? And so what we attempt to do is just like the first 100 who wrote the book, to show you how to find your experience in the book. They said to show others precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of the book. And so what I have to do is align my testimony with their testimony, and that's how you learn to read the book. And someone's got to show us how. So that's what we do. So what I'm not doing is telling you what the book says. I'm showing you how I find what it says to me and encouraging you to find what it says to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And tonight, we're going to be in steps 10 and 11. So, so these are misunderstood 
practices, I think, because people have not fully internalized the encounter in two and the power that enabled our decision in three and the consciousness of the power that we had obscured, that we pulled the veil off in four and five, and now we've been out in this manner of living. We've been subordinating the ego, admitting to harms done, and we're starting to awaken to a spirit man within us, a spirit woman within us, yes? yes? And so now the idea in 10 and 11 is to walk consciously with that new creation within. Yes? Okay. So we're going to start on page 83 at the end of the last lesson. They talked through the ninth step practices. We're going to now start reading the ninth step promises because that's what leads us into the manner of living. Yes? So it says, if, or on the bottom of 83, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase? Yeah, to Sean's point, we've learned the practices of four through nine, and now we're about ready to move forward into the growing consciousness, the application of those practices. Does that make sense? Yep. So it says, says we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. For those of you online, we're at New Freedom, and every time we say New Freedom, we get a little whoop. <laughs> so what's new mean? Yeah, new means new, right? So, so whatever freedom I may have experienced in the past, this is new. Does that make sense? Whatever happiness I may have experienced in the past, this is new, right? And what did I ask for in three? Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. So what I'm experiencing is, is freedom from the bondage of self. Even if I didn't believe in prayer when I did it, if I've carefully followed directions, I'm now experiencing that which I ask for. Yes? Okay. Then it says, will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why? If we're at this phase of our development, we've, we've looked at the harms done, we've looked at the people we've harmed, we've taken ownership of that, we've agreed to start making approaches, yes? Subordinating the ego a little bit, yes? Okay. So I'm learning how my past can be used to alleviate suffering for others, because I should probably be trying to help others now if I've started on my amends phase, yeah? Okay. Then it says we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Check the words they wrote. They're clearly talking about states of being, aren't they? Yeah. Comprehend and know. How does one comprehend? Got to come with a level of understanding. How many of you had a spiritual rearrangement happen in you and it took a while for you to be able to explain and you still can't fully explain? You still can't explain it to the satisfaction of somebody else that wants to understand, probably, can you? They, they'll have to look at me and feel me to see the difference because there's no way I can explain to you all the ways I've been made different. But I can comprehend it, yes? I can, I can be a conduit of it, right? 
That's what I'm learning, right? And then I know peace. How many of you have had a concept of peace? You knew what it looked like, but until you felt it, you had never known that you knew it. Am I making sense? I've always had a bit of a war going on in me. But I have had moments in the spirit where there was no war within me, even with a war going on around me. Anybody with me? Who felt that? Yeah, okay. That's the power in you that's expressing himself. Okay, very good. So you understand these are states of being. One day, someone in an AA hall hung these promises on the wall, and they said, these are the promises. And that's not a problem until you realize that it can confuse. Because we don't understand these are states of being. They're things that happen in us and on us without anything that we particularly do other than follow their instruction. And a lot of people come to our fellowships and they don't follow their instruction. Yes? So we're not picking on them, but if we don't testify clearly, we cheat them because we didn't give them the opportunity to similarly grow and get free. And we lose a lot of our people in our fellowships. You know that, right? How many of you have been around fellowships for a while and know that if we don't explain the difference between fellowship and program, that rarely have we seen a person fail thing? Fades. Okay, so it says, says uh, we'll comprehend the word serenity, we'll know peace, no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. How will I see how my experience can benefit another? By experiencing it. I'll talk to them about some of the worst things I did in my life, some of the worst things that happened to me in my life, but I'll talk to them from a compassionate place and I'll see them lifted up and then I'll see I went through that to be in this moment. Does that make sense? Who felt that? Okay, very good. That's the power in you. I want to keep calling attention in case anyone gets blocked. When I say God, you say, yeah, we want you to know that power is in you. And we're not talking theologies. We're talking about relationships here. Okay. All right, so... That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. How many of you read that and read that and read that, but don't really contemplate what a distance that is, like east to the west, what really happens to us when we finally realize how delivered we've been? Because in the moment, we're still in the process, and you don't know it, but how many of you contemplating back three years, five years, some of you guys 20 years, look at where you were and where you are, Tell me what the difference is. Yeah. Okay. So it says uh, we'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Why? That's where the buzz is. Right back to Paul's. I'm still acting in self-interest, but I've learned my self-interest is served best by meeting your needs. Because I find in meeting your needs, whatever it is I'm delivering has to flow through me. I always wanted to be the best dope dealer in the community. And all you had to do is sign on the God Squad and you are the best dope dealer in the community. Nobody wants to go to a subordinate when you go straight to the plug, right? All right, so 
Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude toward an outlook upon life will change. How many of you have had that shift? That, that continues to happen. That's progressive, guys. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. How many of you were afraid to even speak to people, engage with people by the time you got... How many of you have found that you can do that now? How many of you have financial setbacks and don't think it's the end of the world? Yeah, sometimes we're not... I mean, we give them the idea that we're just going to fall into a pile of money and live happily ever after. That's not what happens. Fear of economic insecurity leaves me when I experience economic insecurity and find it's a survivable event. Yes? So we'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us, and we'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So as you acknowledge those things, now you're with them. Suddenly, maybe not so suddenly, but really, uh, something has happened that has moved me. Yes? So are these extravagant promises? That's the chant. But, but are they extravagant promises? If you'd never read this and someone said, all that stuff's going to happen for you. Yeah, yeah, horse shit. How's that going to happen? Right? So they put it there to question, are these extravagant promises? Yeah, they really are. But here's the deal. I got no reason to lie to you. These things are happening, not only for me, but for millions. We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if you work for them. We want to get focused now on what that work is, right? Okay. So this thought brings us to step 10. So what thought? Am I experiencing the promises? Do I want more of it? Am I not experiencing the promises? What's the answer? The other condition, if we work for What am I doing? What am I not doing? It's really not about what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is, is simply focusing on what your needs are and working for them, right? But if I'll do that, my needs will get met. That's the act of faith. All right, so, so it says, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Step four. So I learned to take a personal inventory in step four. I'm going to continue doing that. Back to Sean's point. I, now, I know the practices, now I'm going to get disciplined in the practices. Yes? And step nine is obviously the second part of that. And then it says we do this when? As we go along, don't stop, keep moving. When you start your amends approaches, also start your amended life. Fo con constant focus on others and how to meet their needs. Does that make sense? Yep. And then it says, we have entered the world of the spirit. Oh, we, we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. So the manner of living, to Sean's point, they spoke to us about a manner of living back in that How It Works chapter, told us the people who do not recover are people who are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living. They wouldn't have told us that. 
had they not intended to break down precisely what that manner of living looked like, and that's what we're fixing to do tonight. Does that make sense? So then it says, we have entered the world of the Spirit. So, two questions. What's it like to enter the world of the Spirit? We comprehend the word serenity. We know peace. We just checked out the ninth, are the ninth step promises happening in your life? Have you experienced those states of being? Have you seen how your musty past can be used to alleviate suffering for others? Have you started to realize there's something in you that's better than the way you think? Then you've entered the world of the spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So understanding of what? Effectiveness at what? You've entered the realm of the spirit. That's a different realm than the realm I had been living in. Yes? Even though I haven't been plucked from this realm, I've realized there's vastly more in play than I had once imagined. Yes? Some people describe it as they started to see color where they always saw gray. Some people describe it as I started to hear birds singing. I wondered when they had quit. I've heard all kinds of expressions about that, but what I want you to know is we're, we're now in a different realm and we're, we're gonna start improving this vital sixth sense they're gonna talk about later. The five senses we know, that's how we've been imprisoned. The vital sixth sense is vital because that's life. That's how I get out of the prison of the five. Yes? Okay, so our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. Why did they tell us that? How many of you have started on something and then you didn't get the desired result on day three? And just said, ah. So they're trying to tell you some truth. This is a process. We don't know quick, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. It'll always materialize if we work for them. Here's the work. This is part of the work. I've got, I've got to awaken and then I've got to endeavor to stay awake. Yes? Right. Okay, so it should continue for our lifetime. So it isn't day three or day four. It's whatever you got left, yeah? Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So if I'm going to continue, when did I start? Step four. Sean and I have been arguing about this for at least 15 years that I know about. 18. 18, okay. So still arguing about every fucking thing, it sounds like. Um, I contend that I was always good at spotting selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. The problem was, I was really good at spotting it in you, and I was blind to me. And so, what this, the fourth step showed me, and this discipline showed me, is that I was not necessarily seeing you. I was looking at you through the lens of my thoughts. Therefore, I was blinded to what I was actually seeing. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so then it says, when these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. 
We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Is there anywhere in the steps you've seen printed on the wall that suggest that I can help me? No, I've admitted to powerlessness in one. That didn't change. I gain access to power as long as I use it to serve you. So it's, it's the polar opposite of how we think in the world, but it's just the reality. It's, it's, it's this new realm we've walked into. Okay, so then it says love and tolerance of others is our code. So love what? Tolerate what? That makes sense? Don't think Sean has all the answers. He'll argue about anything. <laughs> Love the people, tolerate the symptoms of their malady. Yes? yes? Separate people from behavior. Are we there? Okay. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity will have returned. Ceased fighting anything or anyone. That's a high bar, isn't it? We blow by that. I always used to say, I wonder why they don't have those on the wall. Now I know when I internal. No one's buying that one. How many of you have been righteously angry? Who suffered from your righteous anger? Sometimes everybody, but sometimes they lock our silly ass up and it's all us and we still suffering. So all I'm saying is what the world tells us to do and what we really need to do in the realm of the spirit is vastly different. And these promises are a bit foreboding until you start to awaken into those possibilities. Okay. So it says, we'll seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. So if I'm still obsessing all the time about using and escaping through worldly means, there's something the matter with my spiritual condition. And I, I'm not taking your inventory. I'm telling you what's up with me. If I'm fighting people, places, things, look, I'm supposed to die to self. What does a dead man care about how you behave? He doesn't. I'm a passerby. Do I do it perfectly? No. But do I aspire to it? Absolutely. Yes? The only reason I recognize what you're doing is because I have some experience with it. Because I really don't know how you're thinking. I'm translating your thoughts from the way I think. And the only other way I escape from that is in the spirit that I'm trying to stay awake to. Does that make sense? So it says, well, if tempted, we recoil from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. How many of you have had some descriptions of you that would not have included sane and normal reactions. How many of you have been appalled by some of your reactions? And though you reacted that way and you knew it was you, it was almost like you were outside of you watching that maniac go through this. And I hope no one else sees this. Where's my ragers? You know what I'm talking about. It ain't like they don't know, huh? How many of you started with a story and then you found there were holes in your story? And you just took, ran it till the wheels came off. Because 
By golly, we started with it and you ain't changing my mind. Says we'll find this has happened automatically. How many of you have found that happens to you less and less? Not that you don't start down a road, but somewhere in the middle of the road you go, you know, I don't know why I told you that. <laughs> that was pure, pure fluff. Here's what really happened. Okay, so we'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part, it just comes. Maybe you had that monkey on your back just yanked off and just was not there. Just, I walked every waking moment. When can I go get that? When can I go do this? Don't care about the consequences. And then one day, pow, it's gone. What did you do to do that? Because if you participated, then it's probably delusion that it's gone, right? If I think I can get rid of it, did I really get rid of it? Probably not. How many times did you, were, how many did you just know I'm through forever? <laughs> There's going to have to be a power greater than me that operates through me and goes with me. Because my experience shows that although I meant it many times when I said I'm never going to do this again, I meant it to my core, I cried about it, I cried to the people I promised, and then when it came time to do it again, So that's the miracle of it. We hear people talk about miracles to the point where we talk about miracles so much, everyone goes, there's no miracles. But if you know who we were, and you know who we are, and the only difference is him, <clears throat> if you don't believe in miracles, you didn't, get, you didn't get to read my book, or Cody's, or Kelly's, or Sean's, or Jim's, or Lance, or any number of you I know in the room, right? I'll guarantee you I had relatives praying for me. I bet you anything they were pretty sure their prayers went empty too. Some of them went to their graves. But their prayers didn't get it. Didn't get returned empty. Because here we are. Um, so, then I, I'm over here, got to get going again, Sorry. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. Where's Tyler tonight? Is he in here? Tyler's my favorite Facebooker. Don't get too mad at his right-wing views. But what he tells people in recovery is, if you're fighting it, you're doing it wrong. And we got all kinds of people in fellowships, you got this, fight it, just keep fighting. No, no. We've ceased fighting anything and in everyone, even alcohol. So it says we feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. I often get asked, what's, what's PON stand for? Well, PON stands for position of neutrality. Well, what the hell does that stand for? 
doesn't stand for anything. It's the testimony of the authors, and they said that when they were at this level of consciousness, they felt as though they had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. I had a sponsor that told me, how do you feel after I went through the inventory? I said, I don't feel safe. He said, if you don't feel safe, you're not safe. He said, you got to do some more work. We don't tell people that. We tell them feelings aren't real. Yes, they are. Because I'm insane. I understand if you're not me, or you're not a lot like me, feelings might not be real. Dude, you should see some of the things I've done in the name of how I feel. So this is a book for alcoholics. To remove me of a human condition that's dangerous for people like me with the deadly affliction of addiction. I'm not talking about the population in general, but if I don't feel as though I'm safe, I ain't safe, and neither are you if you're in proximity to me. <laughs> Make sense? Okay. So, God, I keep losing my place. Okay. Safe and protected. We've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. So what's the problem? Yeah, it centers in the mind, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. I've been wrongly focused. I've been pursuing to gather unto me, and I need to spend my pursuits in service to you, and if I'll do that, I'll get what I need more. Um, it does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. So they give us a clue. They're driving us right back to the fear I experience in my mind that causes a self to manifest in me, either to prove to you that I am something you would like or that I am something I'm not. Or It steals my identity from me, and I start acting in a, a way that's inauthentic to me. Any of you ever do that? Yep. Had a group of people you really wanted to like you? So you decided to try and act in a way that they would like you? Did they like you? No, no, I don't like me either, right? <laughs> okay. So that's our experience. So people say, that's not for me and all that, I understand. But if you want to argue about AA's teaching, you're going to have to go to a graveyard because they all dead. <laughs> and if you really need recovery, you're going to get there soon enough. If you what they told me, get to God or get to God. So that's how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So if my reactions aren't sane and normal, am I in fit spiritual condition? Nope. Nope. If I'm fighting anything or anyone, am I in fit spiritual condition? Nope. That's not a curse. It's just an awakening. Bless them for awakening you rather than cursing them for disturbing your slumber. Quit walking around to sleep. Does that make sense? Okay. Good. Give God a round of applause. There you go. So then they warn us about the experience. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of, of action and rest on our laurels. What do they mean? It's easy to sit around and tell everybody about all the difficulties of gaining that digit on your chip and why you're now empowered to know everything about their life. Yeah. But it's best 
not to rest on our laurels. Does that make sense? Yes. So we're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. How many of you had a little time clean and thought everything was good until it wasn't? How many of you were pretty sure that you would just go do the same things you did the first time and it'd all work for you? Any of you ever just change your sobriety date because you wanted it more a convenient date? I don't want to celebrate on the same day. I would, I would like to align this more with my birthday or something. I know, judging from that, some of you have tried that. Hard to nail down the year, ain't it? <laughs> so we're not cured of alcoholism. To realize they never tried to cure alcoholism. They don't try and cure your peanut allergy. They say, don't eat peanuts, here's your EpiPen. Right? They tell you more about alcoholism. We're like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. We're not, get, we're not here to cure alcoholism. We're here to be relieved of the bondage of self. That's it. And then stay awake. Okay. So what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. So they said we must carry the vision of God's will into which activities? Which makes sense by 12 when they say we're going to practice these principles in all of our affairs. You're starting to see the all-inclusive nature of the steps. It's not a one and done. It's a manner of living. And any time you're in 12, you're in all of them all the time. Right. Paying attention to the spirit. Yes? Yeah. Okay. So then they say, how can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. Now that's how they do it. If you don't talk in King James language, don't get your knickers in a knot. It's all about, I'm here to serve. What would you have me be in this situation? Yes? The doer will do with me what the doer needs done. I'm a human being, not a human doing. I just need to be faithful. I need to be trusting. I need to be loving. I need to be kind. I need to be tolerant. I need to be quiet and let the Spirit use me. Does that make sense? And that bracket, not mine, by the time we get through with tonight, you'll see the why that's there. There is no will apart from God's that can prevail. There's God's will and my opposition to said will. And so that delusion will go away when I'm awake. And we'll talk about it before we're done tonight. So you don't think I made that shit up. There's, there's a reason it's in brackets and later it's gone. And then when you know about yourself awakened and when you've fallen into slumber, then you'll realize, yeah, sure enough. Okay, so these are thoughts which must go with us constantly. When? We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It's the proper use of the will. How many of you hesitated to turn your will over because you thought, I don't want to give away will. <laughs> the idea isn't to give it away, but to redirect it. 
to cease fighting anything or anyone. I've got to quit viewing the world as I think it should be and view the world as it is and see what it is I am here to offer to it. Does that make sense? And that's tricky for us humans because we're pretty sure this one slipped by the gates, whatever it is. Okay. So much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. They said much has already been said. Do you agree? They told us that power, peace, happiness, sense of direction was going to flow in. We've somehow got through an inventory. Maybe we've packed garbage around with us for years and years, and we finally spilled it out, and all of a sudden we feel lighter, and we're starting to hear the word of the Spirit and those silent voices and in our thoughts, and we're starting to experience peace and distance from that musty past. We're starting to see that there's something more and that all of it has purpose, or at least some of it has purpose, and maybe more of it will be shown. Yes? Okay, so much has been said. Yes? Okay. So it says if we've carefully followed directions, so have we carefully followed directions? Those of you done through your step process at least once and you're showing others and doing this, have you carefully followed directions? Okay, let's see if they're telling us the truth. We've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. How many of you have felt a little something, revelation, some inspiration here tonight? Then you've carefully followed directions. Because now you've started to feel. That's why I keep pointing out to you. It's happening in you. It's not coming from up here. We're sharing it, but it's happening in you. So to some extent, we become God conscious. Now, talk about what conscious is. Aware that I'm aware. Not only is it happening in me, but I'm aware that it's happening in me. Why is it important that I am aware that I'm aware? Because you're still going to think like you in many situations. But you're going to be empowered to act better than you're thinking. Has that happened for you? So I need to know when it comes on me and I'm being asked to do something that I'm reluctant to do to start moving into it. Increase my faith. Does that make sense? The fear will diminish if you'll stay disciplined in this practice. Now that I know what God conscious is. It says we've, we've, we've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So spiritual fitness is all about developing the vital sixth sense. So how many of you have gone to the gym to develop some muscle? And how many of you got to a point where you really enjoyed it and you progressively got stronger and you maybe looked different than you thought you would, but you, you feel better all the time, yeah? So the same thing's going to happen when you develop your spiritual muscle. Your spiritual muscle is the vital sixth sense. Vital sixth sense is vital because it is life itself. Does that make sense? So it says... But we must go further, and that needs more action. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. So they've told us about some prayers, and they've told us about receiving inspiration and direction. Now they're going to tell you in real time how they grew in that. Does that make sense? Okay, so we shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer, 
Better men than we are using it constantly. I'm on page 86 for those of you who are looking at me perplexed because I'm starting all over the place. Um, so using it constantly, it works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. How many of you understand what they mean? They didn't misspeak when they said, as we're growing in the spirit and we start walking awake in the world, that we're using prayer constantly. I think when we first get here, we, we don't think that. But as we grow, we realize the world's disturbing a high percentage of the time. And if I don't stay in prayer a high percentage of the time, I'm, I'm fairly likely to lash out or say something inappropriate to the moment. So it works if we have the proper attitude and work at it. So what's the proper attitude? They told us about it in the very first step instructions. Honestly want to, willing to make the effort. That's why it's so important that you have a tangible encounter with power in two and that you know the power we're talking about is real and sensory and tangible because you'll never do this if you don't know that. Does that make sense? If we keep talking to people in theologies or we keep talking to them about external things, we cheat them of the freedom that comes from improving consciousness of the spirit within. So it would be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. So how many of you have heard vague instructions on how to pray and meditate? And then how many of you would like a little more specifics? Not what you should do, but what they did and what they experienced as a result, because that's the way we're supposed to tell the story. I once thought and felt as you do, but I doubt I'd have made much progress had I not taken action. This is the action I took. This is what I experienced as a result. That's the whole book. So I've got to learn to read it like they're telling me the story and then try and apply it to my life. Does that make sense? So it says we constructively, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. So how many of you would find a constructive review of your day a bit of a change from some of your other activities. Sure. Any of you ever destructively review your day? Yeah. Or perhaps destructively review someone else's day? <laughs> so in this review, in this constructive review, they've got some questions, very specific, yes? Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Same things I was looking for in four, and then that they told me to do in the 10 step instructions all day as I went along. Now I'm in 11 step instructions, again, the all inclusive nature. They know I didn't do it perfect all day because I'm human, they're human, we're all human. They're telling you what they do now, though. Notice how they're no longer in past tense. This is what we do. Always before, this is what we did, but now they're telling you this is what we do. Okay, so then it says, do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Guys, you understand why a lot of people talk about a nightly review, and if you're being sponsored, someone probably said, look, if you're here, try calling me every day for 30 days. Do your review with me. You know why we do that, don't you? It's the only way you guarantee I'll do mine. If I know they call to do this, I'll be ready. And, 
as you grow, you'll realize that if they start doing this stuff, they'll either do it and they'll start growing, or you'll know you've got some remedial work to try and help them because something's missing because the freedom really comes with the discipline, not the practice, right? You've got you to stay disciplined. So, so were we kind and loving toward all? How many of you had some days you thought were just great because you didn't have any major blow-ups? Yep, kind and loving toward all, absolutely. And then someone points out in your thought life. It's not an ouch, it's a growing consciousness, right? If I had a lot of unkind thoughts, but I didn't throw a complete shit fit on the freeway, well, that's a win. However, would have been a better day absent the thoughts, wouldn't it? So there's growth, and there's monitoring of the spiritual status by my observable actions and thoughts now. Yes. People want to talk about self-control. Self-control is a divine gift. People can possess it, but it's a gift. And you're going to have to do these disciplines in order to wield self-control. All humans will. Or you'll just go get what you want, because that's what we do. I want it, I see it, it's mine. <laughs> what could we have done better? That's teaching you that you do know there's nothing wrong with you. We need to awaken you. Right. You're not broken. We're not throwing you away. We are insisting that you wake up. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? They've never asked us to take on face value what they said they said, find out for yourself. When I think of others, do I somehow get free of my limiting thoughts? When I'm stuck in what I'm getting or not getting, do I seem really stuck? So you get to prove it to yourself. Is it making sense or is it not making sense? Listen, we're finite in this form. We're infinite in the spirit. So think about an infinite being entrapped in a finite shell. Every moment of our lives, we're in infinity. That's why when you're in a shitty place, it feels like it's never going to end. Because it's only now, always, and forever. I'm speaking deep spiritual truth to somebody here. Okay. So, but... We must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, and morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. If you're so ashamed of yourself that you're not willing to admit your frailties, then you're cheating the man that would help you out of that opportunity, and you're cheating yourself out of many opportunities to serve that would come after that. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. This book is unapologetic. They say we ask God's forgiveness. I know in the, over the years, the counseling professions, people that are not paying attention, perhaps, but all kinds of different learned people have said we need to learn to forgive ourselves. I understand their meaning, but what I'm trying to tell you 
is that forgiveness is a divine act. And when I realized I went through whatever I went through as part of a process for the mission I've been assigned, then there's nothing to do other than to believe in the one he sent. Because he is forgiveness. I don't need to forgive me. I was prepared for this life. Does that make sense? And it's not a theory. You need to walk in that kind of certainty. There ain't nobody here came here with a clean slate. But every bit of that was for purpose. But we got to walk awake. Yes? Okay. All right. So on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. So they had me doing all that and then laying down and they don't talk to me again until I awaken. You'll also notice that this will apply as you're walking around to sleep during the day as you grow. But we consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct, direct our thinking, especially asking that be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. If you're brand new to this and you're not too happy about prayers and what have you and you don't like these and thous, please direct my thinking, especially if you're divorced of selfish, dishonest, right, self-pity, whatever. Something like that that makes sense to you. Every time you're going into a situation where you've traditionally responded badly, get your thinking right before you go. Go in with confidence. Stay in the prayer. And you'll be surprised how different your experiences start to be because you're going in properly guarded. So it says, it says uh, under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. My mental faculties, my thinking, are a tool of the spirit to navigate this worldly realm. The interesting thing about a tool in this realm if I don't employ my mental faculties, they will employ me. Because I'll be back in those five senses, imprisoned. So what I'm trying to tell you is it's not really a choice, it's an alternative. My mind is the tool, or Joe is a tool. And I've heard both. Okay, so for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life, now we're going to talk about how we really live out our lives as humans. You ever notice how everyone else seems to age? And Wow, those people, that's not wearing well on them. Thank God I was so blessed. A few young ones don't know what I'm talking about, but give it a while. Everyone in the room's old but me. Um, so we live out our life in, this, in uh, the whole, this plane of thought life. That's why some experiences, the exact same experience can be terrible and another time it'll be good because I'm living it out here. It depends on what I paint it with. So, so we want it to say we'll be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. So why did I say the prayer? To ask for the power to clear my thought life of wrong motives. So I can better see. Yes? So in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. Any of you ever have that happen? Do you want to know what they do about it? Let's read the book. 
we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration. So we ask, God, inspire me. Are you following them? This is really that simple. People try and make this hard. The power in us. Ask the power in you. Inspire me. And then it says, an intuitive thought or decision. It will come to you as it did to them as an intuitive thought or decision. Your intuition cannot be activated when you've already decided the way it's going. You'll have to be absent self for the experience to come on you. And I'm telling you, it will come on you as soon as you quit trying to give specifications to the power about how it should look. I'm confused, inspire me, and then wait for the intuitive thought or decision. And if you will practice these things, you will find they come to you. And then it says we... What was that? What happened? We relax and take it easy. So why'd they tell us that? Because we don't have to struggle anymore. We've ceased fighting. We're going to have to relax. We're going to, we always want everything now. And, and sometimes now is not the answer. You ever heard anyone say that? Don't pray for patience. Well, we say that, but the point is you may not need patience in this situation. You're, you're telling the doer what you need to be. Patience is a, do, or is a being, not a doing. So why would I pray for patience when I need tolerance or when I need, when I need endurance? Right. You don't have to pray for patience. Mm -hmm. The reward of per experiencing patience is that whether you're patient or impatient, you're still going to have to wait. <laughs> True. So why are we fighting? Right. So... We don't struggle. We're often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. So they're describing to you the process. And if they do that and stay disciplined, they're surprised how the right answers come. But then they're going to talk about the progressive awakening. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. That sees that promise, folks. If you'll stay disciplined in this process, Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but that will start happening. You'll just quit struggling more and more of the time. And then it says, being still in experience and having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. I can tell you in my own experience, if I'm wanting a deviation from what it is I have to do, I may sit around pretending I'm waiting for an inspiration. What I need to do is go to work. <laughs> Anyone else? So, as we grow in it, we realize, stay busy, he'll let you know. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. So they're telling you what the growing awakening is. So we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will, 
and are careful to make no request for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If you haven't done any of it, you may not easily see why, but the reason is a lot of times we pray for outcomes and deliverance when what we really need is power to get through the obstacle in front of us because the obstacle in front of us is our path. It's, it's trying to strip from me low self-esteem and guilt, shame, and remorse. So I'm empowered to walk through some humbling experiences in order to strip from me that loss of identity I experienced by living in such a depraved state some part of my life. Does that make sense? So if, if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we've been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Not that they're right, where they're right. Read their literature. See if their experience aligns with yours. No one's trying to give you a new religion, but it helps to compare experiences with knowledgeable people and see where the heck you're at. Make sense? Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. How many of you have been agitated or doubtful before? Did you pause? Sometimes if we would have, it would have turned out better, right? So, so that what they're telling you what they do, they learn to pause rather than react and ask for the right thought or action. See how they're growing and praying constantly. It's not an overnight matter. It takes a while to start learning from our own experience that it would be better to be prayed up. Yes? We constantly remind ourselves we're no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. Notice that there is no more brackets. I promised you before we were done tonight, I would show you that. When you're awakened, there is no will apart from the Almighty. There's just what's going on and my disagreement with it. So I need to quit looking at the world as I think it should be and start serving in it as it presents itself. And if I do that properly prepared, the change will come. Make sense? So we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. It works, it really does. That's a pretty important promise that should be hanging on walls. We alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we've just outlined. Did you get the simple way? Pray, meditate, pray, pause when agitated, pray, meditate, pray. Pretty simple, right? This is not all, there's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. Thank you very much.
Sober if we let him. 